would like to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 67. This morning we are going to take a brief uh, break from our series of the book of Philippians in the mornings uh, by looking today at Psalm 67, the entire psalm. So Psalm 67, beginning in verse 1, beloved, before we hear God's word, if you would join your hearts together with me in prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, how might a young man direct his way, but by guarding it according to your word and by delighting in your law. Father, we do pray that as the gospel is heard, as the word is read this morning, we pray, Father, by the light of your word, you would direct our paths. Father, we ask that this word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Direct our way towards righteousness and towards the grace found in Jesus Christ. Father, bless the preaching of the gospel this morning to the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 67, beginning in verse 1, beloved, this is the word of God. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord remains forever. From the very beginning of time, God had his eyes on the world. Adam and Eve, as the only human pair in all the world for a time, were told by God to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. God created all things in the space of six days, and at the beginning there was one pair of man and woman, Adam and Eve, and God told them, fill this creation with worshipers, fill it with image bearers. Eve was to be Adam's helper in this command, and Adam was to continue to fully trust in God's word as he obeyed God in seeking to fulfill that mandate, filling the world with worshipers of God. He was to obey God, and as he obeyed God, with the help of his wife, they were to fill the entire world. Adam, as humanity's covenant head, was to be the instrument through whom God filled the world with people to worship him. But Adam instead disobeyed, and instead of filling the world with light, with worship, he filled the world with darkness, death, and idolatry. This is the world that we know, that we live in, and that we operate in as Christians. Adam's sin was a worldwide catastrophe. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, And death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. Those are the words of Paul. 
Adam was to fill the world with worship by works. Instead of working in submission to God, what did he do? He trespassed God's commandments. He rebelled against him. It was, and there were worldwide effects. God, however, did not lose sight of the ends of the earth. He did not lose sight of that original perspective to fill the world with worshipers of him. In fact, worship from his elect from all nations was the plan from all eternity. We have been chosen in Christ from before the foundations of the world. We are the nations that are spoken of here in the Psalms. Let the peoples praise you. That is you. We are non-Jewish people for the most part. We are Gentiles. This Psalm is fulfilled in the fact that we gather here today praising God. We're glad and we sing to him. And so this is who we are, and we were elected to do this in Christ before the foundation of the world. And so the point is, God had his eyes on the world from the very beginning. Adam's sin did not trump God's plan to create worshipers and bring people to him, to sing to him, to be glad in him, to know him. To the serpent, God said, when Adam sinned, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the original gospel promise to redeem what Adam had done and to fulfill that original mandate, not through Adam anymore, but through another, a second Adam, a second man. And that is what has happened through Jesus Christ and the gospel that goes out through him. Now, of course, as time went on, that promise uh, that came to Adam in the beginning, Adam and Eve in the beginning, that God would undo the work of Satan and undo the sin that Adam brought into the world, that promise was carried by Abraham and all his descendants, Israel. They carried that promise with them. When this psalm was written... That promise was theirs. It was their treasure. It, was not, it had not yet been shared with the nations in large part. And so they carried this promise of worldwide blessing with them. And that promise was passed down from generation to generation. The treasure, of course, was the promise that we see here in the psalm of worldwide blessing through one seed, the seed of the promise. When Jesus told the Samaritan woman at the well that salvation is of the Jews, worldwide blessing would come from the Jews. This is what is spoken of here, the the promise that God would fill the world with worshipers of him through another Adam, a second Adam, another man, Jesus Christ. Now in this psalm, we see the psalmist praying to God that he would bless Israel so that The salvation promised from the beginning would reach the ends of the earth. The psalmist says, begins this by saying, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. And so it begins with a petition to God. This is a a prayer to God. May God be gracious to us and bless us. This prayer conjures up the ironic blessing that the priest blessed Israel with, which is recorded in number six. And we hear this. Uh, at least from my mouth, every, uh, every morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance 
upon you and give you peace. God, be gracious to us and bless us. That's the petition in this first verse. Both this blessing and the prayer of the psalm have in view the absolute necessity for God's people that God show mercy to them. If God doesn't bless us, if God is not gracious to us, we don't have hope. We don't have the ability to see the promise fulfilled. We cannot have this promise come to fruition in our own power, by our own wisdom, by our own ways. And so, God, bless us. Be gracious to us. If the promise is to be fulfilled in his people, that God must bless from heaven, the promise to bless the nations which came from heaven, then therefore the preservation of that promise and the the fulfillment of that promise must also come from heaven. God must move. Heaven must move in order for the nations to be glad and to sing for joy. The psalmist asks that God would be gracious to his people. Of course, grace is love shown to those who who have forfeited any claim to love. That's who we once were. And because of our sin. We had forfeit, forfeited any claim to love. This is true for every person who has ever lived, save, save Jesus Christ. We have forfeited the claim to love, but not, not only that, we have earned condemnation. So not only do we not deserve love, we deserve something else altogether. Eternal punishment for our sins, and yet God shows us grace. He forgives us of our sins. That is grace. Unearned undeserved blessing from the Lord. The psalmist also calls God to bless Israel. Now, when we bless God, we speak well of him. We recognize him as the source and giver of our blessings. And so we bless him. We bless his name. We praise him for what he does for us. But when God blesses us, he gives us what we need. He gives us all that we need for faith and life. He gives us what we need for salvation. He blesses us in his son. He blesses us with with work. He blesses us with homes to live in. He blesses us with all the things that we need, and yet even those are undeserving. And so this is what the psalmist is is seeking uh, to get from God. He also asks God to turn his face towards Israel. Now the turning of God's face toward his people was like the the shining of the sun upon them. Love and grace and mercy and blessing, they radiate from God as he looks upon us, as he turns his face towards us and is pleased with what he has done in us and he blesses us. That, That is what the psalmist is asking for, that the light of his grace would shine upon us and bless us. And so this is the petition of, that's at the beginning of this prayer. In the book of Revelation, Christ is seen as having a face that shines like the sun. God, be gracious to us. Bless us. Make your face to shine upon us. Look favorably upon us, Lord Jesus Christ. That's the prayer. Look upon us with favor and blessing. We need your tender mercy and your care. He goes on to say that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among the nations. And so we see here that the psalmist asks God to rain down blessings upon his people, upon Israel. 
But he knows here that these, he's not asking for blessings from God just for the sake of Israel alone. God bless us just because that is what we want and need. Now certainly our Father gives us what we want and what we need because he loves us and he does this for the sake of us. But that is not the only reason that he blesses us. That is not where the purposes stop, if I could put it that way. Just to simply meet your needs or to bless you. The psalmist says, no, that your way may be known on earth. Your power among the nations. Now this original promise that we talked about from the beginning, it also was, was built upon. As God called Abraham to, him, to himself and he told Abraham, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Again, a worldwide perspective on the part of God when he called this man Abraham. Eventually, one day, all the world will be blessed because of what I'm doing with you and what I'm doing with your family and those after you. The psalmist says the peoples of the world would come to know God through his way of salvation. Now this way of salvation was none other than the covenant of grace that God entered into with his people in the beginning. He promised in Genesis 3 that he would provide a champion seed who would rain down his blessings upon them so that the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Israel's God, would be known among all the world. And so this was the perspective from the psalmist. God, bless us as your people Israel because we need it, because we need your grace, but ultimately so that the world, the nations, the pagan peoples who don't know you, that they too would be glad and rejoice in you. That's, that's the perspective that the psalm writer has here. Now, we too, friends, should have this perspective as Christians today in Jesus Christ. We should pray for blessings from God. God, be gracious to us. Bless us. Shine the light of your face upon us. But we pray this in order that the saving knowledge of God through Christ might be made known in the world. Friends, we are are here today. We still exist. This, This world in which we live still operates today at this moment for us, that we might continue to worship, but also for others who don't yet know, who have never heard of Jesus Christ, who have not opened their mouth to give him praise. There are still others, and God is drawing them. How does he do it? Through you, through the church. And so, God, bless us. Make your face to shine upon us. For our sakes, yes, but ultimately so that your saving power might be made known to the families in this community and others whom God draws to us. Do you see that perspective that the psalmist has? That is this perspective that we are to have uh, as well. We've been shown grace. We praise him because he has shown us grace. We want that same experience to be had by others who do not know him, who are walking in darkness, And we want God to do that through us. Let all the peoples praise you, O God, is what the psalmist says. The saving knowledge of God extends to all the nations. The psalmist looks forward uh, to this word going out, but he also looks forward to the response. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Again, we are brought into thinking about the context into which this knowledge of God comes. The context 
into which the knowledge of God comes, when you think about the word entering into a people or a family, if you think about the time that the psalm was written and the gospel later on, many years later on, began to be carried into the nations. And so that Samaritans and the ends of the earth began to hear about the gospel, which we can read about in the book of Acts, how that gospel went out to the nations. What was the context of that event? It was a context in which people did not praise him. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Why why would he say that? Because people don't praise God. They don't give him thanks. They are not glad about Jesus Christ. They don't sing to him. There's thousands of families that are doing all kinds of other things besides what we're doing today, singing to the Lord. Because they don't believe. Perhaps they have not come into contact with the, the true gospel And certainly if they don't believe and they don't praise him, they have not come into contact with the saving power of the gospel. God has not converted them. And so again, you can see how our perspective should be wider than Providence Presbyterian Church. Although we need to be concerned about those things as well. And this is where we are, friends. This is what we do. Our perspective, I think, is proper, but this is a good reminder And this is how we should pray to that extent. That people would know Jesus who said he was the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This is eternal life that they may know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We pray that God would bless us and shine his face upon us. That his way, his saving power might be made known. And that the response as they hear the gospel would be just this. Praise. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. At the time the psalm was written, the nations were cut off from access to this type of knowledge of God. And so the, the psalmist desires that God would make this happen in the world, that he would send that champion seed, that he would send the promised one, of the son of Abraham, the son of David, to bring about the fulfillment of of this promise. And so this is, should be our prayer as well. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Now as the saving knowledge of God extends to all nations, the psalmist looks forward, again, uh, as well to more of that response. In fact, two times he says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you, verse 3. And then verse 5, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. This is... This is what is in view for the psalm writer. He's thinking about the saving power of God, the saving power of the gospel going out among the nations and then seeing the response to that. Let the peoples praise you. Now, this is a good reminder for us as well as Christians who do praise the Lord. The church exists to praise God. It exists to bring him glory. It exists so that we might gather together like this and do just this, that respond to the grace that we've been given with gladness and with joy and sing for joy to him, the one who judges all the nations with equity, with uprightness, who is the supreme judge of all things. We recognize that his perfect justice is revealed in in the death of his son who satisfied the justice that was required for us to save us. 
We want to see justice in this world. We want to see justice in this nation upheld. Well, perfect justice is really only seen at the cross because that is where God judged our sins. That's grace. That's the kind of grace that we've been shown. We praise him for it. That's our response. But others have yet to know that. They have yet to experience that. They have yet to even know or even hear about the Lord Jesus Christ, that name that has not come to them. And so we continue to pray that God uh, would do this uh, good work, that he would continually draw the elect to the preaching of the gospel and to the worship of himself. The psalmist, he longed to see the promise fulfilled. He longed to see the nations joining together with the Jews, praising God and singing for joy at the salvation that has come to them. This is a desire that's down deep in this psalm writer. He doesn't just dwell in the fact that he's part of Israel and has no concern for others who do not yet know the Lord. He's concerned about them. He prays for them. He wants to see this take place. He wants to join with them, the people that were not praising. He wants to see them standing right next to him, praising him, opening their mouths to praise, to sing to him. Now, if we're Christians, this is what we want as well. And for our churches, this is what we want as well. And so the church, again, it's a good reminder to us. It does not exist simply for our sakes, and though that is what it is for. This is for you. This church is for you. To give you a safe place, a consistent place to gather, to worship, to sing to him, to be glad in Jesus Christ. But there are others. There's another purpose than just for you or us. It's bigger than us. God has a worldwide perspective, and he's had that perspective from the very beginning. And so we know that as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, and at this local body here, that we're limited in what we can do. We may have this desire. Our hearts might be broken for those we know who don't know him, who don't praise him. And yet we're limited on what we can do in our resources. And so what did we do? We go back to verse 1. God bless us. Be gracious to us. You do the work, God. Use us. Give us wisdom. Show us. Give us what we need to bless the nations might be blessed. In verse 6, he says, The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. God provides us with the resources we need to live. In order that we might live and enjoy him and enjoy one another, but ultimately, too, that the nations might know him. We are blessed as a church for that purpose that God's name might be glorified, that God's name might be sung to, that people who do not yet know him, that families who do not praise him, would be here at Providence, here or at another church, praising him. That is what we long for. That is what we pray for. And so we do join with the psalmist in this prayer. And of course, we already see this taking place uh, today, and that we are the fruit of this prayer being fulfilled, of the psalm being fulfill, fulfilled through the work of Jesus Christ. And we pray that Christ would continue to do that work through the families in this surrounding us, in this community, in this city, in this region, all around the world. To Christ be all praise and glory now, forevermore. Let's pray together, friends.